Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC, and a bit of a reality check for Marco Silva's men as we fell victim to a brilliant hurricane goal to seal a 1 0 victory for Spurs at Craven Cottage on Monday. The game was as frustrating as TFL's revised timetable as our boys failed to capitalise on early pressure and then were stifled out in the second half thanks to Tottenham's game management. Yes, Fulham missed the opportunity to leapfrog our North London rivals to go fifth, but despite the result, there's still plenty of reasons to be cheerful. As Fulham still sit seventh in the league, dreams of Europe live on, and I have a belter of a lineup for you on Fulhamish today. My name is George Cooper, and joining me to shake off yesterday's disappointment is the Hammersmith End's very own Jack Kelly. Hello. Sports journalist Isabel Barker. Hey, how are you, George? I, I'm all right, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a shit game, but we move. And making his Fulhamish debut, it's Charlie Cooper. How you doing, mate? Hi. Yeah, I'm good. I can't, I can't believe it's my first ever Fulhamish. I, I can't know. believe it. Actually, I can't, I'm annoyed it's taken this long for you to invite me, but anyway. <laughs> well, you were, you were part of the live show, so that kind of, that kind of yeah. counts, but this is your, this is your first uh, midweek pod. Anyway, it's great to have you on, mate. Thank you very much. Uh, Jack, I believe you've got some three word reviews for us, if you'd be so kind. Yeah, I've got um, four here. Uh, first of all, Richard Bamber, of course, with an opportunity spurned. Uh, our very own Stephen Sheldrake with Pain by Kane. Uh, Rich Campbell with Train Kane Pain, which I loved. And this one here, which I really like, Marisa <laughs> Cardoni with Disruption to Service. Right, good. I like Kane Train Pain. Mm-hmm. I think that beautifully sums up yesterday's antics. Izzy, it was a scrappy game, to be quite honest. I thought we started really well, had a solid 25 minutes pressed really hard and put Tottenham under all sorts of pressure maybe hoping to capitalize on their sort of notoriously shaky starts but ultimately we just didn't create that many chances we had Reed's chance followed by Palini's header after the um, free kick that Andres Pereira put in it was a bit of a mix-up in the box there I mean how different do you think that game could have gone had we capitalized on that early spell of pressure yeah you felt like we really had to score in the first half because Kind of in the in the match build up, you felt Spurs maybe this was their day to kind of get their form back. You know they've had quite big losses to City and Arsenal, and Conte had said they kind of had to bring this nasty streak back. So you saw that with the challenges and there's a few crunchy tackles and things like that. But I felt like we weathered the storm really well. But I still felt like we we missed real inch perfect crosses into the box. Um, and when I was kind of thinking back to the game, I was like, I could only pick out the Harrison Reed chance as the moment where we came closest. And what it boiled down to, I guess, was just a moment of brilliance from Kane. We weren't particularly bad. They weren't particularly great. He just had a, a really good game and obviously equaled that record. And it just showed how good Harry Kane is. 
but we weren't particularly bad. But that was the only kind of chance I could pick out on, really, was the Harrison Reed one. Just on your comment on the final balls, I thought Tetty and Robinson were a bit, you know, their their crosses were a bit sort of wayward. Um, you know, I, I agree. I think that it, when we're purely relying on Andreas Pereira to put some to put some balls in and the rest of the misfirings, it, it seems quite hard for us to create chances. Yeah, Robinson obviously coming back from that suspension and he looked a little bit tentative on the ball. He was passing back to Ream a lot. And I think the crowd was starting to notice that as well. And Tete, I'm his biggest cheerleader. But still, he just was missing that kind of, yeah, those inch-perfect crosses, which we're so used to. And um, they just seemed to kind of weather it defensively. And then they went into that second half. And you felt like if we didn't score in the first half, then it was going to be a nil-nil or something like that. But obviously, they went on to score anyway in the first half. I mean, it was a game that deserved to be a nil-nil draw, I think, in all honesty. Charlie, I, I really fancied our chances going in. You know, we had a lot going in our favour. Tottenham on a spell of bad form. They got spanked by City on Thursday up in Manchester. Um, so quick turnaround. But they just do have world-class players going forward and they just need that one opportunity. So overall, what did you think of Tottenham? Because other than that moment of brilliance from Harry Kane, I don't think that they offered all that much. No, I mean, what trying to put your finger on what sort of football Conte plays is quite difficult. Um I just came away sort of being glad I'm not a Spurs fan because watching that, you know, week in, week out would be excruciating. I mean, I remember the uh, reverse fixture at theirs earlier in the season was sort of similar. Again, we didn't play particularly well, but I don't think we deserved to lose that game. And they, you know, there's there's nothing that um, excites me about them whatsoever. And again, yeah, it was just a great goal by a good player um, at a really sort of crucial time in the game. Never sort of team you just don't want to go behind against because they're sort of so good on the on the counter and soaking it up and they got the pace and attack. So yeah, it was really really disappointing. Harry Kane leveled Jimmy Greaves' goal record for Tottenham last night. That was just two hundred and sixty. Yeah, I'm getting so bored of hearing that as well. So it's kind of a lame stat, isn't it? Like who cares? Uh, speaking <laughs> yeah, of another, because that would have just sent Sky Sports into meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of lame stats, there was another Kane one that I saw floating around, which was Craven Cottage has become the thirty-third different ground Harry Kane has scored oh. a Premier League goal at, with only Andrew Cole thirty-seven, Frank Lampard thirty-four, and Wayne Rooney also thirty-four. Getting more at different venues in the competition's history. Right. Like, who gives a shit? <laughs> if I was a Tottenham fan, I'd be bored. Oh, yeah. dear. Whilst we're on the subject of records, so you've got Gordon Davies as our all-time record goal scorer on 176. Mitro is currently on 106, so 70 behind. Do you think you could catch him? The rate he's going, it'd only be like a season and a half. Yeah, I think he could. I don't... He's, he doesn't feel like a player that he's going to that he's gonna leave in the next sort of couple of windows. He's he's fallen through and through, don't you think? Yeah. He's like settled. So. He's settled. His family love it. He loves it. His favourite restaurant's around the corner. Um, <laughs> actually, do you know what? The only bright spark in the game was seeing Solomon come on, who seems sort of... I'm always shocked about his sort of size. He's just like the perfect miniature... Apparently, um, gentleman Jim thought one of the kids that had like walked out had come on the pitch or something when the song came on. That's what my dad said. But he's like, you know, like those tiny little Shetland ponies you get. That are sort of, it's like an optical illusion, but. Um, but no, he, he he looks like an exciting player. So that is one positive. Yeah, I think I've listened to a few of the player interviews and you can always get a gauge of which players are sort of worthwhile hearing his teammates talk about. 
um, him. And they all seem to be very excited about his return. And they seem that we've got a real quality player on our hands. And he did, although he didn't have a lot of time on the ball, when he was on the ball, he just seemed quite dynamic, direct. He sort of tried to make something of it. It was taking the man on, which was helpful. After we took off our wing backs, I thought we lacked a bit of width. And he was the one thing that was, uh, the one player that was kind of um, offering something a little bit different. Jack... Conceded just before half time. Never, never a fun time to concede. And then the second half was just like so, so disjointed. It was so scrappy. Had no momentum at all. I felt like Tottenham, to their credit, managed the game pretty well and just seemed to just suck all the energy out of the ground. And we just like lacked a little bit of spark and creativity. Do you think that Marco should be making substitutions earlier? John asked on Twitter. A few players looked very off it on the second half. And after the Newcastle game, we were sort of echoing this. We thought that it was maybe a case of a little bit, you know, too little, too late. And I, I hate, do hate criticising Marco in any shape or form. But do you think we would have maybe benefited from shaking up a bit sooner yesterday? Yeah, I think so. I, the first sub came in the 65th minute with, with TC coming on for Harrison Reed, and all the, the three others we made after that were in the final 10 minutes of the game. With, with a, two games in a row where we've basically only made one change to the starting 11 maybe maybe the front three in terms of you know behind Mitrovic maybe William Bobby Deagle over Reed getting a little bit stale um and hence we need to bring on fresh legs maybe sooner in Manuel Solomon and Harry Wilson but in terms of Spurs that the run of form they're on at this moment in time I think that basically they just had to do the dirty work yesterday and grind that result out um because they know that Fulham have threats going forward especially at home kicking to the Hammersmith end and they did a fine job of it because they really restricted us in that second half to, what was it, one big chance with Manon Solomon? I can't remember anything else happening in that second half for, for Fulham. It was just one of those games, frustrating, but look, two, in fact, three games in a row against top six opposition, albeit Chelsea not top six, of course, this season. And we beat them, which is brilliant, and lost to Newcastle, We've got the best defensive record in the league, and the Spurs team, who are fifth in the table. I have zero complaints, really. I think, yeah, maybe the lack of creativity yesterday was worrying, but we've had such an excellent season. I, I struggle to criticise. Yeah, I mean, on paper, away to Newcastle, home to Tottenham, there's no shame in losing to these sides. I know Tottenham have been on a bit of a bad run recently. Um, Charlie, one thing that I find still a little bit concerning that I just can't manage to shake is Mitro still looks to be playing through some level of discomfort. Um, mm. Charlie on Twitter said, do we think Mitro was off the pace last night or still not 100% fit? Or was it tactics? He sat deep a lot of the game, struggled to get into the box and get up with play. Does Marco consider sitting him out if he's not fully fit? What do you think? Or do you think we have to play him? It's a difficult one. He strikes me as a player that wouldn't admit to not being fully fit. Do you know what I mean? He's, yeah, it's hard. he's just, he's so, he's got that sort of childlike, that he just, he wants to play, he wants to commit. Um, all he has but yeah there, there's something about him that's not quite right last night and I think just even having a week out I think it was a Chelsea game wasn't it he wasn't, didn't play so he, he needs those runner games to really get going um, but I don't think there's anything to worry about I, I'm not it's, yeah it's difficult to say whether he should be rested but um, if there's something sort of yeah a, a niggly injury then perhaps but yeah so it was, I think he got booted by someone late on, didn't he? And he kind of limped off. I could, yes. I could hear the scream from where I sat in the, I sit just by the tunnel. Yeah, it didn't um, look good. And then we asked Marco about it in the press conference and he didn't look like that positive about it either. He was like, it was the same ankle that he injured before and we're going to have to wait and see what, what the deal is with it. 
So I guess it'll be interesting to listen to Marco's next press conference and see. Um, but he was not impressed about it. And like you could generally tell he was concerned about it. So I guess we'll have to see. But I do feel like we're in a position where we're really not just relying on Mitro this season. So it's not all doom and gloom. If he does have to sit a couple of games out, um, players are definitely finding their form and we're more solid um, collectively. Hmm. I think Vinicius looked really yeah. quite exciting when he came on. And you yeah. know, as you said, we're not completely... You know, up shit creek. If 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 he does have to have a, a, f- a few games on the side, like just Izzy. So you spoke to Marco last night after the game. What was the what was his kind of sentiment after that disappointing loss? A bit like us, really. He was just a bit. He wasn't really angry. He was just a bit flat. Um, I think there were lots of positives to take. He was worried about the Mitro injury. He thought that Son should have been sent off for the really horror challenge on was it Tete? He just seemed to stamp on his foot late on which I agreed with him about. I think everyone kind of did in, in the press room. So he was angry about that. But the general performance, there were lots of positives to take, really. Um, so just kind of similar to us, really. A bit shit, but a bit like, meh. <laughs> Charlie, on that Son stamp, so I can see it from where I was sat, but a lot of people are saying that he, you know, it's the one one of those that you should check. There were also a couple of penalty shouts, one of which our entire team just went crazy for. And, you know, when you get a, protests like that you think you know they've got to at least check it on top of that the added time that was given six minutes just seemed to evaporate I think that was about 30 seconds of play it, it was a very similar to the Newcastle game I felt very frustrated with the officiating do you feel like it was a, a bit one of those that was just you yeah. know quite frustrating to see pan out again it's just that inconsistency that is really frustrating um, and it, it was the same with Newcastle just but again it's, it is that rub of the green that we haven't got these last two games that perhaps we did in the Leicester game, for example. So it's sort of it, you know, is fine margins. That's got part of it. <laughs> I mean, fairness, like, there was obviously, there was the Son challenge. And I do think they had worse challenges on our players. But we had screens in the press bit and Polinia was lucky to stay on. <laughs> um, and obviously he got booked. And I did feel like, I know that was quite early on, but it kind of took the sting out of the game a little bit because he was so integral to you know, us um, being really aggressive and, and rapid in, that, in the opening stages. And then he got the yellow card and you could just tell he was holding back a bit. And I I love Polinia. And it's like I re- another mad stat. It was something like he's got the most tackles in the top five divisions in Europe or something more than any other player. And um, I don't know, with Polinia, I guess you have to take that side where he's probably going to get sent off a few times in the season. Because we're always like, we're so lucky to have him. But then again, Maybe we're going to have to do without him a few times because he he was definitely lucky to stay on the pitch as well. So I guess there's kind of two sides to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you see Palini get booked within about what is it like 15 minutes, you're like, oh god, that doesn't that does not bode well. He's like, he's just like some sort of like the the because he's a unit, right? He's six foot two, but like yeah. the, how mobile? He's like sort of Tyson Fury. He's just so quick and like in rangy. Yeah, exactly. That's the word. Just in sort of the opposition's face the second they've got a time, you've just got no time on the ball mm. he's like a sort of sleep paralysis demon just bruh, he's there he's um Pereira in an interview recently said that his tackles are actually harder in training than they are on the pitch so <laughs> but I don't know what they're going to be like in training they must be, it must be chaos <laughs> a lot of the picture is injured all the time yeah. <laughs> horrible to play against uh, Jack a few people were saying that the atmosphere was a bit dead last night so like I, I sit in the part in the end, which is a morgue at the best of times. 
And I thought I, we were quite loud to begin with. I mean, did you notice a change in the hammy ends? I, I heard that there was some sort of trouble with stewards. Obviously, there was the lame-ass public service announcements about the tube strikes that came like at the absolute worst time possible. People were trying to score the equaliser. It yeah. was just at the end when we were mounting a bit of pressure. And it was like, please mm. be noted that the supporters <laughs> should be heading for Hammersmith. And I was like, fuck off. But yeah, did you notice uh, a bit of a drop in the atmosphere? I mean, obviously, following the Chelsea game, it was always going to be a bit, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Me and H four like we make okay noise, not the best, but we still. Is make that you noise. personally? <laughs> well, I mean, I when I was younger, I was always the one I was trying to get everything started. I thought it was really cool, but now I'm sort of like, oh, actually, I can't be bothered to sing. So um, H five and H six is obviously where the main atmosphere comes from, the Hammersmith end. And there were complaints last night from a few of the younger fans. I think um, I think even maybe your brother or your brother's friends oh, were, were saying, um, <laughs> George, that the stewarding was um, was basically obstructing some sort of atmosphere from being created but I'm, I'm not sure how that would work but I, I must say about, about the stewarding that the, the checking your tickets before you get to your seat it is quite tedious um I understand why they do it but at the same time it's such a slow process from getting through the turnstile up to your seat especially if you're um, rushing for kickoff as well but yeah the atmosphere was flat last night perhaps that was because of the game but yeah not they really sure. Like any real, there wasn't any them giving it large, like Spurs fans giving it large to Fulham fans. I don't know how what your guys' experiences of any rivalry. They bigged it up with this as this London derby, and Marco mm. was asked about it in the press conference. But I've never really felt it that much for Tottenham. No. I don't know about you guys? No. no. Uh, Charlie, do you give a shit about Tottenham? No. Uh, I don't think they care about us either, really. No, no it, I don't. I don't think any team is really apart from no. Brentford. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I've never really, I've never really given a second thought to Spurs. They, they were very annoying. It's very hard to. I'm just trying to think of like famous games that we. I don't really none stand out that we've ever had against Tottenham. The, the there was when we beat them four 0 in the FA Cup when Dembele got two brilliant goals. Probably about I don't know ten years ago now. Mm. It's the only one that really stands out. It was quite a funny game, actually. Do you remember when they beat us 3-1 in the FA Cup and Harry Kane got a goal and it was the, the their opener. It was right in front of the Hammersmith end. And um, the ball boy, the Fulham ball boy, collected the ball really quickly and Trippier was running down the right-hand side and the ball boy popped up to Trips. I don't know why I called him Trips. Trippier. <laughs> who then threw it in without even breaking a stride to yeah. Son or someone who then whipped it in and Harry Kane got the goal. But our entire back line was just caught napping. It was when we were in the championship. Right. Anyway, the ball boy that day who did that <laughs> disgraceful bit was none other than my little brother, Fred Cooper. Oh, <laughs> <dear>. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, and like, I remember at the time, like everyone in the Hammersmith was like, what the hell? Like, what was that ball boy thinking? Like, he slowed down the play. Innocent mistake, but it ended up getting picked up because a load of Tottenham fans on Twitter like were like, fair play, ball because it was on telly. Mm. And they got picked up by like the Daily Sport or the Daily Star or something. It's still The article's still there. But, but yeah, just quickly on the atmosphere, right? So when we have night games, the light show, I'm going to do a quick, you know, I want to hear everyone's opinion. The light show that they do, cringe or class? Charlie? I don't, do you know what? I don't think I've ever been... Um, got there in time to watch it. <laughs> I mean, sounds really bad. Am I missing out? 
No. I mean, I, I, I'm going cringe because Brentford do it and it's Tim Hot. So, yeah, that's good. Um, also, they do a similar like build up thing to Fulham. And I don't know if it's like Premier League has introduced it, but it's that whole build up thing where it's like Fulham have made it into the Premier League. They do a similar thing at Brentford and it just reminds me of Brentford. And I think it's been a bit Tim Hot. So, Tim I'm not Hot, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I like, the I look. like it. Yeah. What? Uh, you know, I, I enjoy there, it when it's not Fulham. When I go to West Ham, I really enjoy their one. Why? But with Fulham, I feel like it's not the right sort of ground West to have. Got a really good DJ though. They're known to have a really good. Yeah, DJ. that's true. To be fair, I've heard this. Like they've actually got a really good DJ. So I don't have this to do with that. Who's our DJ? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Example. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you should like yeah we'll uh we'll find out who it is <laughs> yeah i mean it was just one of those games wasn't it i mean it would really be horrible to uh to support um conte jack there's been a lot of talk about uh conte and his his, his tottenham future i mean how do you see this panning out do you even care i mean there's talk about his contract and him not wanting to sign and tottenham so they're in a bit of a stalemate i mean well no i, I find the, the the situation at tottenham quite fascinating given the fact that yesterday was it announced or the day before that harry kane was open to sign a new contract now is he chasing that premier league record alan shearer's goals or is he looking to win trophies and i I think it was said yesterday in the post-match, Izzy, if you were there, Conte was like really bigging up the fact that Spurs could win the FA Cup this season. And that should be a realistic aim for them. Because ultimately, they're not going to win the Premier League this season. They're at the Carabao. They're in the Champions League next round, I think. So they may, maybe. But yeah, the FA Cup seems realistic. But it is apparent that Conte may leave at the end of the season. And um, I just, I feel like, yeah, like I don't really... I don't really know what he's what he's brought to Spurs. Has he have they progressed under Conte or have they regressed? I'm not really sure. I just, every time I see him, I just feel really stressed. <laughs> I just would hate him to be our manager because and he's so uncommittal. It's like being in a relationship where you just know the other person's not really interested and just waiting for someone something else to come along. And you're just sort of like trying to, yeah, it's just, uh, that's a horrible situation to be in. So you can't see, there's no longevity really there. And he never, doesn't really stay at clubs that long, does he, Conte? So. No, he's a bit um, of a mercenary. Yeah. I learned, I learned yesterday that his, his exquisite barnet is actually a wig. Wig, yeah. Is it a wig? <laughs> oh, I thought yeah. it was a hair I transplant. Kind of like, yeah, I thought it was a hair transplant. Yeah, it's a hair transplant, no? Oh, it might be a hair transplant. Oh yeah, no, you're right. Is a hair transplant. I mean, I did a, I did a little bit of digging, and um, it turns out that quite a few footballers have actually gone down. I can't stop looking yeah. at Marco's hairline. Marco has such a thick head of hair. Every time I, I chat to him, his hair is yeah. beautiful. Fun. Rob Holding's hair—that is an insane rejuvenation of that. <laughs> he looks like a different person. It's incredible, yeah. <laughs> so we got. Also on this list, this is the athletic Peter. This is the articles that are like football's top ten hair transplants. Yeah, I could go. David on. <laughs> David Silver. Yeah, Wesley Snyder. Yeah, Andros Townsend. Yes, yeah. uh, Shakiri. Wow. Jurgen Klopp. Berbatov. Dim- our very own Dimitar. Well, yeah, ours and Tottenham's very own Dimitar Berbatov. Obviously, Wayne Rooney's the headline, right? He's. Uh, he's, he's bad probably. though. He's had a bad hair transplant. Also. Or Bamiang, what's going on with his Barnet? <laughs> That's a very good point. Every photo I see, so it changes a lot. 
but I feel like something's going on. Something's That's because he's playing for Chelsea. Is it thicker now, <laughs> There was one where he was, was it the photo where he's training for Arsenal, and it's only a couple of seasons ago, and he looks like, it's like a bit Mr. Burns. It's like <laughs> really <laughs> bushy around the side and back and just sort of, it's odd. It's odd. Anyway, we don't, I think we digress slightly. <laughs> so it was one of those games last night, right, where, so what? 1-0 defeat at home to Tottenham. What are you going to do? You know, it's, um, I think in the grand scheme of the season and the recent run that we've been on, you can, we can take it and accept it. So we've got Sunderland in the FA Cup next. Charlie, and then we're yep. not going to go into too much detail on Sunderland because uh, Sammy, Jack and Peter are back for the Thursday club and they're going to be doing m- much more in-depth analysis of Sunderland. But just hypothetically, right, mm. which would you prefer? Fulham secure a place in the Conference League next year or Ooh. survive in the Premier League and make it to the FA Cup final this year? Um, what, but, but lose the final? No, just make it to the final. You've got to take that risk. Do you know what? I'd honestly say Conference League is what I'd prefer. That would be just brilliant, wouldn't it? Watching Fulham in Europe again. A few away days. and Because, I, I mean, FA Cup final, yeah, it's brilliant if you win. But I, I'm not interested in the final if there's a chance we're going to lose, which would be likely, I imagine. So, mm. yeah. What about you? I'm with you on that. And just on this topic, what would be your dream Conference League draw, right? Oh, <laughs> then, like, you don't, don't worry about the teams, but just like location, because there are some pretty rad locations. I was thinking FC Kairat in Kazakhstan, which is yeah. in uh, a place called Olmati, which is like this mountainous region of Kazakhstan. It looks mad. They were in the Conference League last year. I think like just Amazing. that kind of draw would be the one. That, yeah. like, when else are you going to go to Kazakhstan? It's, yeah, it got to be the places where you would never normally go on holiday or ever, oh, ever. They, um, I don't know if they're in the Conference League, but there's a Slovakian team and the ground has a train, steam train running through it, through the mm. stadium. Have you seen it? It was like it went viral, but I, I don't know if they're in, they were in the conference league. But that would be my dream draw. I'll find cool. out what the team is. Hang on. Knowing yeah, Fulham, we'd probably draw like hearts or so, someone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Linfield. But, yeah. <laughs> Jack, have you got any that stand out that you would you would absolutely love? Well, I'm just looking through the group stages now. Um, I suppose somewhere in Serbia would be quite good, given Mitrovic being a Fulham player and everything. Uh, I'd also take Fiorentina, lovely place in Italy, and something really rogue as well, like Slovakko, which <laughs> might even be the team. Oh no, they're from Czech Republic. It looks very fun. Probably great place. Somewhere in the former Soviet Union. Yes, yeah. it would be would be good fun. We've got Chelsea is our next uh, league game on Friday, the third of Feb. Another night game. Um, you guys got your tickets? Looking forward to that. How are we feeling for that game? Such a such a short time since we played them last. Mm. Do you think it's a uh, an opportunity to do the double over them? I don't know. It kind of hurts me how short the time is. I want to kind of sit and enjoy the, the yeah. win and. And soak that in still and then because if they then win it's a bit like oh you know well, if, they, if they win they go above us in the table and then suddenly it's like well that was fun while it lasted and also it's the next Premier League game you know obviously FA Cup weekend so it's a tough one but I'm sure all the fans will be up for it I didn't really deep kind of how difficult our run of fixtures have been recently and with how tight the table is like I covered Aston Villa the other day 
Last time Aston Villa played at Fulham, Steven Gerrard got sacked. They were in a relegation scrap. Now we're under Una Emery. They're talking about a push towards Europe. It just shows mm. how tight the table is. And yeah. I'm just thinking if we go on a cut, I know, I, I think it's all looking good for us. I'm not in being doom and gloom and stuff. But I think if we just get a few losses and we get a loss against Chelsea as well, it just kind of puts us a bit, I don't know, a bit in, in, in more of a negative space. But yeah, we will see. And it, it just is really tight, isn't it? Because I think teams in like 12 are only two points behind the teams in six or whatever. So it's just crazy at the minute. How are you feeling going into the Chelsea game, Charlie? Yeah, and like like you said, it's it's frustrating that it comes so close after we beat them. But um, I think uh, they'll have a bit of a bounce with those new signings. The is it Mudrack? What's his name? Mudrack. Yeah, he looked, Mudrack, he looked yeah. like a very. And he, when he came on as Liverpool, he did look really good. To be fair, mm. um, so yeah, it's really tricky. A draw would be a brilliant, brilliant result. Um, I, but just not conceding the first sort of 15 minutes would be good because I remember that happening last night, uh, last time. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. But again, it's just that thing. It shows you how well we've done this season. Um, all those games against the top six, it's just, it's been one goal, really, hasn't it? I mean, mm. Newcastle at home. But we had 10 men. So it sort of it shows, shows you how far we've come. And um, so it's just, yeah. You, Trying not to get greedy, I suppose. It was like last season being annoyed that we didn't win 7-0 again. Do you know what I mean? It's, like, <laughs> it's got to really manage expectations and be realistic. So, yeah. Yeah. Following Chelsea, we've got Nottingham Forest at home on the 11th of Feb. Tricky trip to Brighton on the mm. 18th and then at home to Wolves on the 24th. Right. That's it for part one. But don't go anywhere because we'll be right back with a few of your listener questions. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back. It's the Fulhamish Podcast. I'm joined by Jack Kelly, Isabel Barker, and the one and only Charlie Cooper. Right. Thanks very much to everyone who got in touch. I've taken these from Twitter. Uh, so, Charlie, I'm going to throw this one to you. So, Louis asks, have we actually been good since Boxing Day or just lucky? So, let's have a little recap of the five-game unbeaten run that we had before Newcastle. We had Crystal Palace away, uh, Southampton at home, Leicester away. Um, Holloway and Chelsea at home. I'm I'm going to go ahead and say we were really good. I don't see how you can think otherwise. But I mean, yeah, what do you reckon, Charlie? I think it's um, it's more about how we can change up our our style and our game plan depending on the opposition, which I think shows so much more maturity than we had done in the last two seasons we've been in the Premier League. So I think it's more to do with that rather than performances. Um, and we've had that grittiness and that sort of the side of us that can really grind out those results and definitely had that against Leicester. Um, and yeah, got the rubber green against Crystal Palace, but you know, the Chelsea game, I felt we played, a, we had a real complete performance there. Mm. We had a bit of everything that got us over the line. So yeah, I just, yeah, we've, we've shown different sides of us, which, which I think's um, yeah, being really, really good. Yeah, I would have to agree. And I just hope that as um, Izzy said, we um we don't sort of turn this two game sort of like losing streak into 
you know, a bit of a bad spell of form, but I've got every confidence we'll bounce back against Sunderland. And then um, obviously, yeah, looking ahead to that Chelsea game. Jack, this one's for you. Russ Southwest 6 says, do we need to prioritise an, an alternative to Reed now in the transfer window? Reed can cover for Jow if needed, but we are missing a number eight in games like last night. Yeah, um, I think this is for the first time in, since he's joined the club. People are questions, questioning Harrison Reed's sort of performances and what he contributes to the team. I still think he's absolutely brilliant. And obviously he came close to scoring last night. But we are seeing him being substituted early in games for, for TC. And, you know, in the market right now, I mean, we're still in January. We've still got another week to go in, in the transfer window. Obviously, right back is the priority, but I would like to get in a centre mid. Uh, I keep saying this guy, Pablo Mahi, he's been linked from, I think, Sao Paulo. But it seems as if we're going to be re- revisiting that in the summer. Uh, so so maybe with the likes of, you know, Chalibur and, and maybe Onoma leaving before the window closes, we are going to have to get in another body to cover Harrison Reed as well. Uh, but I can't quite now pinpoint a particular player that can necessarily fill that role right now. And I guess we'll just see in the next week or so. I'm guessing we'll, 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 we will be active. It is deadline day. It is Fulham. We're always going to do something, aren't we? So we'll just see. But um, I'd like to see a couple, uh, a couple new, new faces uh, through the door. Yeah, I mean, on that note, Scott says, are we happy with where we are at transfers? No solid leads just yet. But I feel like in the first time in a long time, we are not extremely stressed with bringing a number of signings in before the window closes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that does kind of ring a bit true. Are there any just from your you know, research, Jack, any that we've been linked with that you feel would be a good fit? Not necessarily in centre mid, but... I haven't seen loads of names. And the only names I've seen have been right backs. Apart from Cedric, there's been one from um, FC FC Twenty, another one from the Eredivisie as well. So I, I'm not sure, really. I'm not sure where we're at. There is a man called Jasper Carlson we were linked with as well. Just trying to find out if he's a centre mid or a right back. I can't understand the translation at this moment in time. But I think there will be some activity because it's natural that at the end of January, any window, teams start to maybe panic a little bit, but. We're lucky right now we're not in a position where we do need to panic necessarily. It's not like we're fighting relegation at this at, at the moment. So I'm fairly relaxed, but um, for the deadline day stream on, on, on deadline day, for the sake of that, we, we'd like some, some signings. Hector yeah. Bellerin was linked, wasn't he? I was buzzing about that. Both my sisters oh, yeah. season tickets yeah. were buzzing. He's, <laughs> pretty, he's pretty sexy. Yeah. Didn't mind seeing him turn up in his arms. <laughs> He's one of the uh, the trendier footballers, isn't he? I saw him. I bumped into him at Primavera uh, last yeah. summer. Oh, <laughs> he was, of course, he was absolutely, of course. he was absolutely off his nut. <laughs> and uh, my mate who I was with is an Arsenal fan, and he went up to him, and he, I don't know how he spotted him because he was wearing like you know little sunglasses, and he was obviously like trying to keep a low profile. And he was just like, "Are you Hector Bellerin?" He was like, "See, see, but don't turn anyone up." Get him in, then, Jesus Christ. <laughs> There, there is some breaking news coming in, actually, um, which broke a, a, about half an hour ago from Bruno Andrade, who's one of the best, I think, South American um, journalists out there, especially during transfer window. Fulham are uh, considering offering Willian a contract renewal. Uh, the English club is satisfied with the performances of the attacking midfielder, whose current contract is only valid until June 2023. Another year of Willian. Yes, please. Honestly. Yeah, completely. 
Yeah, I love watching him play. He's just proof that, you know, class is permanent, in my opinion. Yeah. And they're real similarities, I feel, of the resurgence of Damien Duff after he joined us from Newcastle. Just, you know, he seems to be enjoying his football, putting in solid performance. He never seems to lose the ball. That's the thing yeah. that I can't get over. He always does something, you know, but I'm I'm more than happy with that. Charlie, do you follow transfers much? Are you, like me, just can't be arsed with that? I feel like there's so much bollocks out yeah. there. There's so many clickbait. Until it's been announced with the cringy pun on Fulham yeah. website, I'm not, I don't pay much attention to it at all to be honest yeah totally agree because you get your hopes up for nothing so what's the point yeah I, I tune in to the last sort of 30 minutes and that's about it the only one I saw that was really bizarre is Josh Madger was linked to coming back I mean that I, think was I actually wrote about that um, really underwhelming yeah well I think I've heard there's like there's like a link I don't know how strong it is to be honest but he's in like the French playing in the French second division in Bordeaux. He's the top scorer of that division. But I guess that's like us then. I don't know. I'm not sure. How do you guys I could be the top scorer in that division. (laughs) That's what I was kind of going to say, but I don't know. None crap. So that's... (laughs) I mean, uh, yeah, as Charlie said, fairly underwhelming. I don't know what he'd offer to our squad that Vinicius doesn't. Mm. Yeah. By the way, do your dad's also, like my dad is like so he he comes up with the funniest mispronunciations of our team (laughs) players. I'm like, how have you even done that? So he calls Leno Lino. I'm like, how how have you interpreted (laughs) Leno is is Lino? And he and he called Vinicius. He calls him Vinicus. (laughs) (laughs) Vinicus. How does he pronounce Bobby Reed? Have interest. Uh, <laughs> he actually is with you on that one, Jack. Is that he? He only gets the D. D Cordova Reed. Brilliant. Well, is he at Fulham obsessed? Says thoughts on the Sun Challenge. We've kind of touched upon that, but this is what I wanted to get to: is why is Kenny Tete such a magnet for red car challenges? Three in the space of a month. It's becoming less of a coincidence, especially on such an injury-prone player. Sort of tin hat brigade coming out here after his fine form this season. Our Dutch. Dutch Cafu must be protected at all costs. Drew Powell also said, what was more delayed, kickoff or some of the tackles out there? Do you think there's something in that, Kenny Tete? Red card mad- magnet? Maybe. Uh, that's a, that's, they've looked into that really deeply. I've never even like even thought of it like that. And like the thing that struck me there, I don't know if he's necessarily a red card magnet, but the thing that like struck out to me then is that talking about how injury prone he is. And that does worry me a bit if these players are lunging in on him like that and he's so injury prone and Marco is saying like that is the air, the position that he does want to look at in the transfer window and strengthen up because the nature of Tete's injuries and things like that. But talking about that Son challenge definitely could have been a red card. I don't know why they didn't go back and look at it. It would ease. I've seen so many of them where people have been sent off after a subsequent VAR check. Marco, as I said, said the same thing in the press conference. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I never even looked at that with Tete, if I'm honest. But yeah, protect him at all costs. Though he can give it back. He Kung Fu Kenny can definitely give it back. I've got no worries about that. <laughs> he's, do you think he's well on his way to becoming a bit of a uh, a cult cult fan favourite at Fulham? I've, I've always really, really liked him. I've been trying, badgering the club for an interview for ages because I don't know how people haven't picked up on him. Like, I think I'd love to know more about him because I've not seen many exclusives or anything he's done. So I'm really trying to get an interview with him. I just think he'd be a, he'd be a right laugh and he just seems like a character as well. And yeah, I'd love to just know more about his background and things. Charlie, have you got any low-key favourites in the squad at the moment? 
sort of putting the big hitters aside, you know, you meet Joe Pellini. Is there any any players that you're like, yeah, I like I like their game? I, I do really, really love Harrison Reed. I, I have for a while. He's just there's something just covers so much ground. He's like a little you know, a Tasmanian little cartoon things. Yeah. Little whirlwind that sort of he's brilliant. I mean so many of them, which is so nice, you know, there's there's not many players I sort of um can't get on board with I mean it's really disappointing about Tosin actually um mm. seeing that it was like, like his future and what might happen to him because he's mm. one of those players because he's you know he's young and he's English and he's a real you know there's more to come from him he's going to get better and I would be sad to see him go if he does leave this window but I don't know what the latest is with that yeah interesting I was quite sad to hear about that as well and Alex on Twitter actually asked if Tosin goes this window do we need to be looking at an immediate centre-back replacement and if not, do we need to bring at least two in the summer? But I'd be, you know, he only just signed a contract extension to, oh, yeah. I believe, 2026, like a couple of weeks ago. So I would be quite surprised if there was much sort of substance in this. But you've got to think from his point of view, you know, he's he came in to be a starting centre-back and with the form of Tim Ream and, and Diop putting in some performances and seeming to be the preferred option of the two of them. But I don't know, if I'm, if I'm Marco, I'm thinking... You put your arm around Tosin and be like, right, at the moment, this is the situation. But, you know, Tim mm. Ream's not going to be able to sustain this level of, I mean, more for me for sort of assuming this, because I think we've been saying this for the last four seasons. It's just yeah. like, it's just, the man just seems to go on forever. But, you know, he ha- he has a future at the club. I think he is a player of quality that I can see him staying. But if ultimately... If I wonder if, it, if the relationship is just becoming a tiny little bit fractured between Tosin mm-hmm. and Marco now, only because Tosin's not starting. But I don't know how true this was, but apparently Tosin liked a tweet from Fabrizio Romano linking him with like other clubs and elite, a move away from Fulham. So I don't know if he's kind of got a, a bee in his bonnet about that. Um, but I think Marco's not got much choice, really. Diop is playing really well and can't we just have the three of them kind of, and he's alternating them at times, but I think, I guess Diop has started like the last nine of the last 12 now. So maybe it's Tosin's getting a bit frustrated, but it seemed like it was a nice three of them kind of switching around a bit, but I understand Tosin's frustration. I guess he's young. This is the first time since Tosin's joined the club where he's not, like not first choice centre-back, obviously. Under uh, Parker, Yelke Madison, Tosin was the partnership. And then obviously in the championship, it was him and Reem. And now Diop was stepping up. So if the rumours are true that he sort of wants to take the next step in his career, as was said by Fabrizio Romano, I think that's poor attitude. But let's not, let's take that with a pinch of salt. Um, if I was a player who was playing second fiddle to Issa Diop and Tim Reem, I'd work my ass off to try and get back in the starting 11 and prove myself, not look elsewhere. But then again, we sign him for two million. If we sell him for you know some sort of profit, that is magnificent business, and I think he's probably worth in the region about twenty million pounds. And if Monaco, the rumored club, sign him for that amount of money, that's outstanding from Fulham. But we need a replacement in this window because you know Duffy's been out ill for for God knows how long now, and apart from Go that, on. we don't really Duffy. have a. I totally forgot about Duffy. Sorry, <laughs> he's got me begging for mercy to come back for injury. <laughs> from illness sorry mess that one up is any more detail what the illness was I know is he just you know been a bit I, a bit I don't know he's, like, he's got this super cold that's going, going around I like, don't what's, know what what's it is. Like, he really super cold well, um, Marco said that 
because I forgot about them too. But then in the press conference, he said he was kind of coming back into things and maybe he was getting his fitness back. So maybe it's looking good for him and he'll enter the fray soon. But I'm not actually sure what the illness is, if I'm honest. Interesting. Yeah, Shane Duffy. He was always the uh, the throw throw on another centre back with five to go whilst um, <laughs> whilst uh, clinging on to a lead. Um, Izzy, penultimate question here. This is from Brian Paulson. Any views on Pereira's attacking role last night? Struggled to get a touch, and when TC came on, it appeared as if they wanted him on separate sides of the pitch rather than overloading and linking. Is Silver struggling to get his tactics right with a short turnaround? Now, I, w- I will say that the we had eight days to prepare for this game in particular. I know there have been a lot of short turnarounds um, over the past few weeks, but this game, we we did have a bit of time to prepare, significantly more time than Tottenham did, who played on Thursday up in Manchester. But yeah, did you did you um, agree that the, the link-up was a bit disjointed between Pereira and TC yesterday? A bit of lack of direction, maybe? Right. Something that really stood out to me was when TC came on, he got handed a note, and it took him ages to read the note. I don't know if I've got the screens, but I was watching this for ages. I don't know who wrote the note or whose handwriting it was or what language it was in, but TC was looking at the note for ages. So maybe that had some part to play in it. I don't know. It didn't really, slow reader, yeah, maybe. It didn't really stand out to me that much that it was disjointed between them. Um, I just think no one particularly had a great game. I've been seeing Pereira's praises so much before that match with his delivery. You know, We've loved it so much, but yeah, it just... And we, I just, as I said, I felt like we were kind of missing that delivery and inch perfect crosses from everyone, including Pereira. But the link up between him and TC wasn't something that stood out to me. I don't know if you guys picked up on it more and you can kind of elaborate on that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that there were a few interesting tactical changes that I perhaps wouldn't have done. I thought we really lacked, basically bringing on the, uh, going moving to three centre-backs as we did at the back to try and, I felt like we ended up, spending the last kind of 15 minutes of the game just ream passing it across the back line because yeah. there wasn't any space there wasn't didn't seem to be any sort of like they they were looking for the overlap but it just wasn't there yes um but i mean i haven't I, that's the first time i'd kind of seen that come into our game so i'm not overly concerned again so what we're we saying i think tottenham just managed the game very well they stifled us in the middle they they really made it a really disjointed terrible game to watch it was so the cut like stop start and sometimes you just you just can't you just can't figure out a way around it so you know i'm not I'm not going to lose any sleep over it, let's put it that way. Finally, we've got a few more comments on the atmosphere yesterday. And Fulham, as much as we love them, we're not known for being the loudest uh, team in the land. But Kevin Jones says, why was the crowd so quiet? And Max FFC said, how can we improve the atmosphere? Charlie, is it time to bring back the clappers? I think it might be. <laughs> it really well might be. I don't. There, I, there was something about the clappers because it, it just wound up the opposition so much. <laughs> it just it generated some sort of atmosphere. Do you know what I mean? Your yeah. shit, Azuri. Yeah, I mean you've just got to own it and not be embarrassed about it. <laughs> um, but when you you know when you're in the hammy end, you look over at the Johnny Ains and there's sort of this a wash <laughs> of people. Very funny. Being, Robotic. <laughs> Robotic. NPCs. Clapping on their thighs, you think it's the most beautiful sight. Um, <laughs> and we've got to do something. It is quite, it is quiet, but that's, that is Fulham, isn't it? We're sort of, we're not like any old sort of just, you know, making a racket by anything. We're, we're measured and I like that. I'm not going to lie, like, yeah. since the clappers went, we as a football club, as a football team have got better. 
I think the atmosphere has got better. No, no, seriously. Like the like, you sound like you sound like Mohammed Al Fayed saying that if he was to get if Shahid Khan gets rid of the Michael Jackson statue, it will bring bad luck on us. And in fairness, we did go through one of the worst spells yeah. of recent times mm. after the statue went. So maybe there's something in it. But, but, but like, honestly, like, the the Premier League seasons we've had before, we've I think we've had clappers in, albeit you know one of them was about fans. This has been a whole lot better. No clappers, and actually, apart from last night, the atmosphere this season has been very very good. You know, Brentford, I remember Southampton was very good. Brighton, I remember working it and it was very, very good. Um, I think Newcastle was really rubbish because of the nature of the game. Um mean Newcastle? Was that Newcastle away you were talking about? At home. Because um, obviously we're, it was really flat before the game. And then obviously Natty Chaps get sent off and then all hell breaks loose, basically. So I'd, I'd stick with no clappers, but just sing a bit louder. Please. <laughs> could we uh, could we borrow some cheerleaders from the Jacksonville Jaguars? Maybe before you go out to say Crystal there, Palace, some sort of like... try it once, or if I... no, they just came over to do the game. Right, and it was really awkward. What, that... <laughs> what does that do? Does that generate? Any... I don't know. Nah, That's just a half time as well. Drooling old men. <laughs> they did it at Palace. I was at Palace the other day. They have it, and it's they just I find it, it really time. weird. They were eagle and. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, the e- the eagle is special. Well, the that, eagle passed away last season. I thought. What? Well, they're like the main one. They might have got a new one in. God, why don't we yeah, just get yeah. a real badger and just yeah. run around the hammy end? <laughs> <laughs> That'll get people on their fucking feet. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh dear on that note I think that's uh, a good time to wrap up the podcast I mean get in touch if you've got any ideas of how you can, uh, how we can get the <laughs> send them in <laughs> anyway so as I said Sammy Jack and Peter will be back on Thursday with the Thursday Club uh, we'll have some more this will catch on entries oh on that note did you hear the Tom Kenny I heard a few reports that the Tom Kenny song was getting um, getting a run out last night yeah came on. it got going but I give it given how long the song is it's, it's quite hard to string it all together isn't it it was just the chorus just the chorus I, I don't oh, think anyone anticipates that the whole <laughs> three minute <laughs> The whole three-minute um, song's going to get going. But anyway, yeah, they'll be back on Thursday, so uh, do do look out for that. But there's nothing... Uh, the only thing that's left to do is to name the podcast. Jack, I mean, I've got my favourite, if you uh, if you can't decide. Yeah. I thought that... Well, I thought that... What was it? Pain, Train, Kane. I think it was Train, Kane, Pain. Let me just get it back up. But are there any others that you'd, uh, you'd want to go for? Well, I did like... I really did like um, disruption to service because it sort of disrupted the former on, albeit we lost the last game as well. But I think train cane pain is, is the best. Okay, we'll go with that. Excellent. Thank you very much, JK, for your time. Thank you. It is always a pleasure and making your pod debut, Charlie. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're right. Until next time. <laughs>